0: Welcome to the Smirconish
2: podcast for independent minds. Hello, hello. What did Dave Scalish used to say? Check for level, check for level, one, two, one, two. Always. Let me see if I still know how to do this. (laughs) You know, somebody close to me during break said, well, you pick quite a week to be off. Uh, A reflection of Trump's third indictment, which came, I guess, at about 5 p.m. last Tuesday, And to a more limited extent, Devin Archer testified to Congress about dealings with Hunter and interactions with Joe, that testimony, and then the release of the transcript that also occurred last week. But I said this to my friend and I say this to all of you. The truth is, in the era of Trump, combined with a 24-7 news cycle, there's never a quiet time. There's just never a quiet. I was off, after all, in the first week of August. I mean, if if you had to throw a dart at the wall and try and hit something where you thought it would be quiet, wouldn't you say the beginning of August? It's the same with a a Friday news dump. Nothing, there's nowhere to go. Nothing gets lost anymore. The beast needs to be fed. The the combination of, of cable outlets and the Internet and so many different sources of information that are interconnected, nothing will be lost. But I will tell you this. I am read in. I stayed read in. I picked most of the newsletter headlines despite, quote unquote, being on vacation last week. I was giving thought to a poll question for today. Didn't do this, but I was giving thought to a poll question today being in the one week that Michael was off. Did the odds increase or decrease that Donald Trump will be POTUS forty-seven? Now, I know how that poll would turn out. I I don't know in reality. I just know how the poll would turn out. I think most of you would say, well, the odds have decreased, which makes logical sense, you know, to say being indicted for the third time diminishes the odds of being elected president. Imagine if we'd asked that question 20 or 30 years ago. Hey, you've got a candidate running three times indicted, likely to be four in short order. But I don't think that it's so clear-cut in 2023-2024. I know how many of you think and react to the news based on your telephone calls to me every day and the poll results at my website where tens of thousands go routinely to vote. First of all, you closely follow the news or you wouldn't be listening to me on a station like this. And, And if I say... To you, for example, one of the curiosities of the latest indictment is the minimal mention of Mark Meadows. Like just think about this as, as a thought experiment. If I say to you, one of the curiosities, I read the 45 pages of the latest indictment. One of the curiosities is the minimal mention of Mark Meadows. First of all, you know who Mark Meadows is. And you're already aware of the speculation as to whether he's cut a deal. Because... Thinking of it this way, you're one percenters. I don't mean in income. I mean, in political knowledge. I hope it's the case for for your sake that you're you're a one percenter in income as well. You're members of a political intelligentsia. You know, you would qualify to be in Halpern's gang of 500 that he writes about routinely. But that's not the nation. You who listen to me on POTUS, you can distinguish And explain to a friend the difference between these three indictments. You know who Alvin Bragg is. You can give me a sentence about what that case represents against Donald Trump. How about this one? You know the name Walt Nauta. There's good political trivia for it. You know that he is the Carson of Mar-a-Lago. You recognize the implications for Trump's jury pool. In the second federal indictment being filed in the district court in D.C. versus the jury pool that he'll draw from in Florida, like you get one is much more advantageous to the government and one is much more advantageous to Trump. What's my point? My point is that we are more knowledgeable as to the specifics of what's going on, but There's a temptation here, I think, this is the kind of reflection that came with my one week of being off. There's a temptation that we are all tree and no forest. And the lesson is one of not repeating the mistake of 2016 in underestimating Donald Trump. That is what I've come back to tell you all today. Because driving around as I was on vacation, maybe I'll tell you about that later, Interacting with people who are not focused on what we're focused on. They're focused on cramming in, you know, the final two weeks of summer, two weeks defined as meaning the kids have to soon go back to school. Didn't used to be that way. Am I right in thinking that we didn't go back to school until after Labor Day? Like, how the hell did this happen? They're following, you know, or getting ready to, to play fantasy football. They're, they're debating whether. No, that's should have been suspended from NASCAR. It's funny, yesterday, the number one Googled item, which is a great barometer of what people are buzzing about, the suspension of Noah Gragson for a racially insensitive like of a meme, or I should say, like of a meme that was racially insensitive. Or they're focused on, you know, whether to see Barbie or Oppenheimer. From somebody else in my orbit this past week. Why are they bringing all of this up now? The this, of course, the multiple indictments and the now a reference to the current election. We are two and a half weeks from the first debate. We are into this game is on the field is defined. And when someone says to me, like, why is this all happening now? What they mean is. These charges all flow from the last election and seem to be to this person's, you know, not paying attention to every detail the way we are, to this individual like why are they bringing this up now? It must be to stop Donald Trump. As in if Donald Trump were not a candidate, he wouldn't be facing any of these three going on four indictments. I mean if that's the perception of that that individual Three times Trump indicted. Just imagine when Fonnie Willis makes it number four. There's some uh, protective order litigation playing itself out today. The Trump lawyers have until 5 p.m. to respond to a DOJ request for a protective order. Seemingly, this was all prompted by a Trump threat. You know, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. Interesting to me is the quick pace of the back and forth. The government filed Friday at 6 p.m. The Trump response is due today at 5 p.m. The judge said no to the extension. How about this for good trivia? The judge in what will be the most watched case in American history if it gets to trial, Tanya Chutkin, a law school classmate of mine, Penn Law class of 1987. And as I tweeted last week while I was away, just like Bruce Reinhart, He's the federal magistrate in Florida who signed the Trump Mar-a-Lago search warrant. There are only 200 members of my, my law school class. The, the judge of the January 6th case and he who signed the Mar-a-Lago search warrant, both in that class. Amazing. Um, I think that Jack Smith needs to be very careful. If Jack Smith is perceived as racing to get this to trial, it'll play into the perception that I mentioned a moment ago, the perception held by some, like, why is this all happening now? You know, Jack Smith is supposed to operate in ignorance of the election implications so as to not be perceived as interfering. Of course, close in time to the elections, there are those AG memos that kick in that speak to avoiding actions perceived as political. There's an unwritten rule. That's why I don't know whether it's 60 or 90 days I've kicked this around with Ellie Honig. But, you know, common sense dictates and and Justice Department DOJ practice dictates you don't do much close in time to an election. Well, if it looks like Jack Smith and Merrick Garland and by extension, even though I don't believe Joe Biden's had Anything to do with any of this, but his name gets thrown into the mix because he appointed Garland. And I'll put Judge Chutkin there as well. If it looks like they are racing to get Trump tried before the election because of the election, then I think that Trump's hand is going to be strengthened. The protective order that is being played out today, if it's granted, it streamlines the discovery process. It means that the feds can hand over to Trump all the evidence that they've got without fear of that which gets into the public domain because Trump's hands will be tied. But otherwise, the feds need to be careful of what they hand over to Donald Trump. That could be a delayed process. And I think this is an example of what I'm saying, where Smith needs to be careful because if he's perceived as racing to the courthouse to beat the election, it will be regarded by... Many among us, maybe not you, one percenter, but many among us as a bid to stop Trump's election rather than just a bid to try him on charges that he now faces. Something else that I think that you might not agree with, I think many Republicans, many Republicans. Really are open to moving on from Donald Trump. But guess what? They don't want to be told that they have to do so. They want to get there on their own. It's it's almost like that example that I've used before of a domestic disturbance where police are called and all of a sudden the partners, the spouses, turn on the cops. Too many one percenters have this impression that it's impossible that Trump could win in all of this context and environment. You know, before his latest indictment, before his latest indictment was announced, I think it was on Monday, a week ago today, one day before the indictment came, a brand new poll came out from the New York Times and Siena that said it's 43-43, 43 37% of Republicans in that poll identified themselves as, as MAGA. And and this is what jumped out to me, and Nate Cohn highlighted this. Of the Republicans, of the MAGA Republicans, zero percent, not a single one of the respondents in this category said that he'd committed serious federal crimes. A mere two percent said that he did something wrong in his handling of classified documents. More than 90 percent of Republicans said Republicans needed to stand behind Trump in the face of the new investigations. Do you think that the new indictment that followed that poll shook that perception? In other words, was there a moment after the January 6th indictment was published where MAGA, 37% of the Republican base, that they said, oh, wait a minute, I, I didn't know that. Because I don't think so. I don't think there was an aha moment in that indictment. I also think that 99% of people didn't even read the indictment. But especially in the context of continuing revelations about Hunter Biden and the Biden family. The, the Devin Archer testimony. Uh, yes, it was like four or five hours long. I read that transcript while I was away. Joe may not have been involved in Hunter's business. But he surely spoke to him about it, just as I said in my get out of town commentary on CNN that many people didn't want to hear me say. But I'll tell you this, T.C., there was a lot of hate watching going on because I took note of the ratings for my Saturday show. I'm I'm not being a braggart. I'm making a point here maybe I'm somewhat of a bragger, but the show had the highest ratings on CNN for that entire day, Wow, which is not unusual we've been on a roll we have been like on a that, roll. but for i'm telling you this in particular because unfortunately you bear the brunt of all of those nasty emails. Yeah, you usually
1: have to take a shower after your after your show.
2: But it's in bad. particular that one because <laughs> yes. my commentary this was before the Trump indictment. Yes. If I were on TV after the third Trump indictment, I'd have focused on that. Sure. Um, but I focused on like all that was being said about Joe and Hunter at sure. the time and my whole thesis was that it's it's not realistic for Joe to say that he never spoke to Hunter about his business and Corrine Jean-Pierre was now trying to change Uh, You know, the direction and say, well, they were never in business. And I have always said, he's got to say more. He's got to say more. Well, I'll tell you this. Uh, So I I delivered that commentary on on CNN on Saturday and on the following Monday, Luke Broadwater writing in The New York Times and talking about Hunter Art, uh, pardon me, about Devin Archer. This was before the transcript had had been released. Mr. Archer also said he had no knowledge about unverified allegations from an anonymous informant that President Biden and Hunter Biden had accepted millions of dollars in bribes, undercutting a claim trumpeted by Republicans. Still, Mr. Archer's testimony underscored that Mr. Biden, meaning the president, not Hunter, had made false or misleading statements regarding his family members' finances. This is the New York Times news analysis. During the 2020 presidential debate, Mr. Biden claimed that no one in his family had received money from China when, in fact, Hunter Biden and his business associates took in millions from a Chinese firm. In 2019, Mr. Biden also repeatedly said he'd never discussed and had never spoken to Hunter Biden about his business dealings Recently, White House spokesperson Karine Jean-Pierre has begun speaking in less declarative terms. So point being, I was ahead of my time. And there must have been a lot of hate watching if those social media folks are indicative of the audience at large, which they're probably not. L- listen, if you relative to relative to Devin Archer, if you expected that there would be testimony that there was a conversation where Joe specifically discussed Hunter's business or deal points on fees, then you don't deserve to be in the one percent that I've I've assigned you to in a in, in this discussion um, because of course it's much more sophisticated than that. Of course it's much more sophisticated than that. The then came the new indictment, which I believe in comparison to the first. Federal indictment is weaker. And I will explain to you why I believe that to be the case in just a moment. Hang with me. Don't call. I've been away. I have more things that I must get off my chest because of the news that transpired in my absence.
3: This is the Smirconish podcast from Sirius XL.
2: NetSuite.com slash VR training platforms like the one
1: developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients.
4: As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop.
1: Learn more at Meta.com slash Metaverse Impact.
3: Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS, Sirius XM channel 124 and on the SXM app.
2: As I was saying, in my opinion, the first federal indictment against Trump was the cleaner case, was the, is the stronger case. And you, of course, know of my Whitewater Watergate model, right? It is Watergate. I mean, it is a clear cut cover up, including words, you know, the boss. You want to go through an exercise Go to the superseding indictment. So this was like the second crack at the first federal indictment. Damn, it gets confusing. There's a uh, subheading, the attempt to delete security camera footage. You'll find a vermin 84C. I'm just going to read it. You'll understand context. D. Oliveira told Trump employee for that the boss wanted the server deleted. Trump employee four responded that he would not know how to do that and he did not believe that he would have the rights to do that. Trump employee four told Di Oliveira that Di Oliveira would have to reach out to another employee who was a supervisor of security for Trump's business organization. D Oliveira then insisted to Trump employee four that the boss wanted the server deleted and asked, what are we going to do? What's the point? The point is, They've got videotapes, they've got texts, they've got whereabouts. There's no factual defense to the Mar-a-Lago document case. There's no factual defense. If you read the superseding indictment, it is so detailed, so detailed beyond what they needed to put in that indictment. The only way, the only way that Trump beats that charge is because of jury nullification sitting in Florida. Or because he gets some relief from the Presidential Records Act, or he gets some relief because the attorney client uh shield should not have been pierced in the eyes of an appellate court that would look at that. The new case, the new case is much more complicated. And and not, you know, to you one percenters, because you'll probably take the time to read it, but to America. You know, Charge 1, conspiracy to defraud the United States. What's that? It's not, it's more Whitewater than it is Watergate. Like, Watergate, we get it. He wanted those guys to delete those servers. He gave them instructions. Walt Natter returned to Florida to do it or to oversee it when he was not supposed to be in Florida. And they can go through each one of the phone calls and the texts and the video and walking through the bushes. I mean, it's unbelievably detailed. Conspiracy to defraud the United States, much more difficult, I think, to explain to the American people. And Trump does have a defense. David French, not exactly a Trump supporter, writing in the New York Times, quote, In other words, if you were to urge a government official to overturn election results based on a good faith belief that serious fraud had altered the results, you would not be violating The indictment, it says the the indictment itself says, I think this was paragraph two. I cut and pasted it. The defendant had a right, like every American, to speak publicly about the election and even to claim falsely that there had been outcome determinative fraud during the election. And that he had won. He was also entitled to formally challenge the results of the election through lawful and appropriate means, such as by seeking recounts or audits of the popular vote in states or filing lawsuits, challenging ballots and procedures. Indeed, in many cases, the defendant did pursue these methods of contesting the election result. His efforts to change the outcome in any state through recounts, audits or legal challenges were uniformly unsuccessful. He had a right to go and speak and challenge these things. So where did he cross the line? That's where it gets complicated. It's, I'm not saying it's a weak case. I'm simply saying that the Mar-a-Lago case is a stronger case. I'm going to tell you something else, in my opinion. This new January 6th case is much more complicated and will take, in my, in my view, months to try. Months to try. Mar-a-Lago, very clear cut. Could probably get that done within a period of of a few short weeks, especially in the federal system. And all of this is going to unfold against campaign events, fueling a perception among some, perhaps not you, that this is directly tied to the campaign and that it's an effort to deny people an opportunity to reject Trump on their own. And I maintain that some people who are ready to reject Trump will nevertheless be drawn to him because they're going to perceive him as a victim of overzealous prosecutors. Randall Eliasson, somebody else who opined about these these, uh, events that has caught my eye. The conspiracy charge which makes up most of the indictment, he writes, encompasses the tentacles of the scheme to overturn the election results. Pressuring state officials to overturn their elections, recruiting slates of fake electors from seven states, trying to corrupt the Justice Department to further the scheme, pressuring Mike Pence to throw out lawful votes and directing the mob to the Capitol on January 6th are all included as part of a single overarching conspiracy to defraud the United States. Randall Eliasson writes a conspiracy requires two or more people who agree to participate. This indictment lists but does not yet charge or formally identify six Trump co-conspirators. Mr. Smith clearly has enough evidence to charge those unindicted co-conspirators, but has chosen not to do so for now. This, too, is a smart tactical decision proceeding against Mr. Trump alone streamlines the case and gives Mr. Smith the best chance for a trial to be held and concluded before the 2024 presidential election. Wait a minute. Was that the motivation? Because that's not right, if that's the motivation. If Jack Smith, and I think this analysis is correct, that's why I'm reading from it. If Jack Smith didn't indict those unindicted co-conspirators, because it would have slowed the process, then that's an acknowledgement that his objective here is to get the case heard before the election. Well, is that not a politicized process? Should Jack Smith, here's a potential poll question, you might see this from me in the next few days, should Jack Smith be trying to get Trump tried before the election, or would that be improper? I mean, was that the goal? I'm asking this today at smirkhannish.com. Politically speaking, would Trump actually be more vulnerable never having been indicted? Or said differently, would Trump have been more politically vulnerable never having been invited, indicted? Okay, I'll try a third way. I'll make it a declarative statement just to frame your telephone calls. Indicting Donald Trump made Trump less politically vulnerable. I think that Donald Trump was vulnerable before these indictments. And I think these indictments make him less vulnerable because of Republicans now rallying to his side. And if I'm right, it will be accentuated by a Fonnie Willis indictment in Fulton County, Georgia within the next two weeks. Because that the perception then, not to you 1%ers, to circle back to where I began, but to the 99% who today are driving their kids to camp and squeezing in remaining days of vacation before the kids go back to school, they're not paying close attention to it. They're not hanging on all the minutiae of four different indictments. To them, largely, it's that Donald Trump is now facing the weight of four different indictments stemming from the last election when all of a sudden we're in the midst of the new election. And it's going to cause them to perceive him somewhat as a victim, even if they don't like him and would rather not vote for him. Here's the way I worded it at Smirkanish.com. There's already a lot of voting. Politically speaking, would Trump actually be more vulnerable if he'd never been indicted?
3: This is the Smirconish podcast from SiriusXM.
2: Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move, so do the math and see how you'll profit With NetSuite, now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish, netsuite.com slash smirconish.
3: Listen to Michael live weekdays on POTUS SiriusXM channel one twenty four and on the SXM app.
2: John, you are north of the 49th. That's a good thing. What did you most want to say?
3: Welcome back, Michael. It was uh, enjoyed your guest, but it's nice to have you back. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to say that the um, the first um, the Manhattan indictment um, to me was an obvious overreach, and it obviously and poisoned the the rest of the. Uh, indictments which which look legitimate so um i i think it was a big gift to uh trump to to have that go first
2: totally agree with you i think it poisoned the well and created impressions in the minds of a lot of americans about what are all of these post-2020 indictments prosecutions all about and in similar fashion it'll now be buttoned up this is what i was trying to say by fonnie willis in Georgia, I can't imagine that she's got something that's not already in the public domain given how much that's been investigated. In fact, I'll tell you something else. Jack Smith and- thought i'll say is that if i'm jack smith i don't want that alvin bragg case being tried next march i want to be first i don't want it to be the new york case that that is rooted in sex
4: 100 percent.
2: thanks for the phone call appreciate it uh very much this is wayne in dresher pennsylvania hi wayne greetings
4: yeah good morning um i think that jack smith and leaving six unindicted co-conspirators Maybe holding out the prospect of uh, one of them flipping, and being a cooperating
2: witness. True. Uh, yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: You know, for sure. That, that's basically it. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I mean, it's it's not. I'm not saying that his sole motivation was to streamline the case, but it makes it a lot easier if he's not prosecuting seven people at once, and instead is only prosecuting one individual. And yes, I I think in the same way that they're bringing leverage now to bear on the whole staff at mar-a-lago and trying to get them to flip in the document case they're going to do likewise with some of these uh federal defendants potential federal defendants uh mark you're in sanibel florida greetings what did you want to offer today
4: thank you morning michael uh you know i think the big thing you're missing is we've been at this trump thing now for six years it'll be eight years by the time of election and whether you love him or hate him, everybody's just tired. We're exhausted of all this stuff. And I think all these indictments from a from a overview are just people gonna say we love him, but we're just had it with him. We gotta move on. And I think for that reason it, it's going to hurt him. All these indictments will eventually hurt him. The base will of course get all fired up, but they aren't gonna win an election.
2: Right. Well, I think I'm saying something similar to where you're coming from in that People don't want to be told what to do. I think many Republicans were ready to move on from him to begin with. No one's emerged from that field. It hasn't been DeSantis, that's for sure. But I think that now this this sort of prodding by the feds and running to the courthouse to try and take Trump out of the mix is going to cause people to circle back to him who otherwise would not have. That's my thesis.
4: Well, see, I see your viewpoint as the people that want Trump, if you really come away from it disinterested, uh, honestly, these are, you know, okay, the, 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 the prostitute thing is one thing, but these are things that are corruption in the United States. I don't think it's that hard for a jury to sit there and look at the fact that uh, the machinery that was set up to try and install a fake set of electors and get Trump to overturn the election is hard to see. I think it'll go very, very easily for a jury.
2: It's going to take, all, I would encourage you, and I've made sure that each time there's been an indictment, we'll do it again with Fonnie Willis. My policy has been to publish the indictment itself on my website and in my smirconish.com newsletter in the hope that people will take the time and read it themselves. The way they've been written thus far have they've not been complicated. I mean, they've written them for a wide audience. Jack Smith is writing it because he wants you to take the time to read it. And so do I, so that you see what the case is all about. So on one hand, yes, if you delve into it, you'll understand what the allegations are. But you'll also see that it's going to take a lot of different witnesses to present the case for which Donald Trump has been indicted. I don't think it can be done in short order. Uh, this is uh, Lucas in Michigan. Flower, how do I say it? Fowlerville? Fowlerville.
3: That's correct. Tiny Town. Hi, Lucas. Good morning. Um, Go I ahead, just sir. Want, wanted to make Thank you. I wanted to make a comment. Um, it sounds like if, if they would have brought indictments too quickly, it would have less credible. If they take a long time to get all the evidence so it's really clear, it's too late. It's, it's political now. I'm not sure we need to care so much about what these 37 percent or whatever percentage it was of MAGA who are defending, regardless of what this man does. I don't see it. When he was impeached the last time, all the conservatives said, well, we can't do that. There's all these other mechanisms to go after him. We do this and it's all rigged. It's all not real. It's all blown out of proportion. But I'm really supposed to care about a private citizen named Hunter Biden. More than this, and on Fox News, and thanks to you I do this, I listen outside the echo chamber. Oh. I don't hear them ever, ever, ever talk about it like it matters. It's all a, just an attack. It's all political. This, we knew this guy was going to run again. I'm just confused at why we are trying to, you said earlier, rush to the courthouse. Like, I'm sorry, I don't see why we need to tiptoe around it. I get he's an important figure. Well, let me me ask this.
2: Should should Jack Smith, should Jack, do you think it is, and I'm I'm going to get some, um, I've already said to TC that I want to make sure that I get some guests who are legal ethics experts to speak on this issue. Should Jack Smith be trying to get Trump tried before the election? Should that be in his head? That the day
3: after Trump lost was before the election we knew he was going to run it I mean the guy didn't even doesn't even think he's no, lost but but but, but, to but, but Lucas
2: Lucas as as Jack Smith yes. games out you know the 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 trial of this case should a goal of his because I'll tell you you've already heard it from me I I argue it should not be a part of his mindset I do not think that he should be trying to get Trump necessarily to trial before the election as compared to after the election like that's not his job then he is getting political okay
3: i could see that i could see that point but because of the position that the president has and there's this argument that he could pardon himself and all these things possibly, it's it, there's an attempt being made by trump even to make this political he wants to Be president to not get in trouble no doubt i mean there's no doubt in what you're saying there's no
2: there's there's no doubt in what you're saying that donald trump is seeking to delay 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 so that he can self-pardon if he wins Uh, who knows whether that'll be able to hold water if it occurs and it won't pertain to the state cases he can't pardon for those there's no doubt that is trump's game but ethically speaking should it be jack smith's game I mean, that's that's not his job. Then he is, in my view, trying to take away my right to vote against Donald Trump or to vote for Donald Trump.
0: The Smirconish
1: podcast for independent minds.
3: Listen to Michael Smirconish live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east on Sirius XM's POTUS channel 124 or anytime on the SXM app.
1: Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and at Smirconish.com.